Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 193 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to share with you a sober reminder that I just received. Let's dive in. Well, some of you may know the tragic news that came out about Ravi Zacharias this last week. Uh, There had been some rumors about some indiscretion, and then this last week, the report officially came out, and basically reveal that there was actually a quite a bit of junk and problems that was going on in Ravi Zacharias's life. I don't know how to describe this, but there was such a deep wrenching of soul when I learned about all this stuff. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Ravi Zacharias was one of those guys who just spoke boldly the word of God, declared the gospel, and it just seemed from everyone on the outside, that his life was truly one of integrity and up- uprightness. And yet, as the report came out this last week, there was actually quite a bit of indiscretion and just a bunch of junk. Now, I don't actually want to get into the Ravi situation and the story, but God did use that as a catalyst in my soul. And that is what I want to bring you in on. I don't think it's actually that helpful right now to meditate upon all the junk and the problems uh, that this has kind of spurned. Though if you would like a good response in terms of the Ravi Zacharias thing, I do have a link in the show notes for this episode to an overview that Mike Winger at Bible Thinker did. I actually really appreciate Mike's insight, just his depth of concern for the ministry that Ravi ran, as well as just the family and just the people that were uh, implicated or the people who were or just caught in all this mess. And so if you'd like to hear that, uh, I'll, I'll kind of point you to his direction. I think he has, actually does a great job of just kind of laying out uh, what took place and, and just some warnings and concerns, uh, as well as just kind of a plea uh, on behalf of those who were hurt. All, all that to be said is, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it actually probably doesn't even matter. It probably is going to be a distraction for most people. But the reality of what God's just been pressing in my life this last week is a fresh reminder of how important integrity, purity, righteousness, holiness is not just in an individual's life, but in ministry, as well as what is not just demonstrated to the world, but how we're actually living. I think so oftentimes, you know, we can have this 
outward facade of like, yeah, everything's great and things are wonderful and look how great of a Christian I am. When in, in the depths of our hearts and our souls, there's just a lot of junk that either we're not dealing with or refusing for God to transform. Well, when I heard the stuff that came out, and again, this isn't the only one that's come out over the last decade. There's actually been quite a few strong Christian leaders who have either been caught or have you know turned themselves in basically to say, look, I probably need to step away from ministry for a season because I'm battling these things and I need a, I need a, I need I need some help. I need transformation. Well, it's really easy to get frustrated and angry at, at just what is going on and the fact that is there anybody in Christendom who actually walks with integrity, who actually is living out that which they're speaking? And yes, there are countless people who actually do live what they speak. But when I heard all this stuff, it just brought a just a great pressing of soul. And I just remember as I was walking through just was what was going on, my, my prayer was, oh God, <laughs> could you please... Just freshly examine my heart, my mind, my motives, and see if there's any wicked way within me. Lord, I don't I don't want to live a life where I'm proclaiming one thing and living a life that's totally different. And there was a great sobriety that just kind of came into my own life just looking at what has come out this last week. And I, I want to give a I, I just want to give a couple of reminders and just kind of an exhortation for all of us in this season. And again, it doesn't matter if you know what's going on or not. I, I'm just kind of using that as a launch pad for what God's been bringing me into. And I really just want to give a passage and I want to talk about some other stuff in a lot of that. But in Acts chapter five, l- listen to what Luke records in terms of what was going on in the early church. He says, now there was a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, and they sold a piece of property. He kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and b- brought part of it and placed it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to deceive the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, was it not your own? And when it was sold, was it not under your authority? Why then have you conceived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to men, but to God. On hearing these words, Ananias fell down and he died. And great fear came on all of those who heard these things. The passage goes on to say that they took Ananias, they went out and they buried him. And about three hours later in verse seven, his wife comes in, not knowing what had take place. And Peter asked her, Hey, did you sell this land for such and such amount? And, and Hey, are you given all of it? And she says, yes, absolutely. And Peter in verse nine says, well, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. And at once she fell down at his feet and died. Now, it's interesting that when you look at this story, the reason I'm even bringing this up is verse 11. And it says this, Great fear came on the entire church and on all those who heard these things. I don't want to actually spend a lot of time talking about the actual story itself. But what we have is a story where Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of property. They sold it. And they went to the apostles saying, hey, we're going to give every all the proceeds that we had from this cell, and we're just going to give it to the sake of the this kingdom, the sharing of the gospel. And yet they were hiding part of the proceeds. And that's what Peter was poking at. He said, you could have kept the proceeds, but don't tell us that you're giving all when you're hiding some back. In other words, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're, you're having this area of your life where the facade that is being shown to the world 
you're, you're trying to appease someone or you're trying to look great in the eyes of the world. And yet on the inside, you have all this junk. And of course they died. <laughs> that, that is so trembling that what would happen if that was happening today? Like every time somebody lied in the church, boom, they fell down dead. You realize that would change the tone of the body of Christ really quickly. And I think for the better, in fact, that's what you see in verse 11 of chapter five of Acts, that great fear came upon the entire church and on all those who heard these things. Now, I haven't studied this in depthly, but, but the concept is not like there was everyone is trembling going, oh no, what if God strikes me down? There is a sobriety that happens when you see the work of God in such an event. In other words, when you begin to realize that, hey, when I start hiding things, that is actually a mockery of the very gospel that I proclaim. And so when God struck down Ananias and Sapphira, it brought a great sobriety of soul, a great fear of the Lord to the hearts of those in the body of Christ. Well, I honestly feel like that is so desperately needed in today's generation. And I feel like for at least in my life this last week, that's what this was. That as I was just learning about the Ravi stuff and the, the report that came out, there, there was such a sobriety of soul that just pressed my heart. I mean, I was so deeply grieved over what took place and the people that were hurt and, and just the facade and the fakery that he lived. And yet, all right, I can't change any of that right now. So Lord, help those who are hurt and, and give wisdom to those who are working through this investigation. But I, I just said, Lord, I, I don't want to be such a man that is being used by God or is, you know, is proclaiming truth and speaking the gospel and yet has areas of my own life that is full of corruption, deceit, lies, some, some hiding of a facade. And, and I get how easy it is, especially in ministry, when when you're supposed to show a certain kind of lifestyle and you're supposed to say certain kinds of things. And, and is it even okay for me to be vulnerable, vulnerable about issues that may be going on in my life? I do actually think that accountability is really important, especially for those in leadership, because so oftentimes, you know, as you progress in leadership, especially Christian leadership, we need to be humble where people can actually ask us the tough questions. In other words, I want to be such a man where someone can walk up into my, my life and say, hey, how is this area going? And I want to have the humility to say, all right, let me tell you how it is and not be willing to hide and put the facade on. Because the moment that I start to hide things and put things in the darkness, they fester, they grow. And then, of course, you've got to now conceal it to keep it all bottled in so no one finds out. And, of course, as you look at Christian history, especially the last 30, 40, 50 years, you see this problem where here's a man of God or here's this woman of God who is being greatly used by the Lord. But then something is exposed in their life and you find out they've been hiding stuff all along. See, we are not to be such individuals in the body of Christ. In fact, I love what Ephesians chapter five says, talking about sexual impurity. He says, this stuff should not even be named among you, which does not mean, okay, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> That's not what Paul's saying. What he's saying is there should be such purity and holiness in the lives of believers that when the outside world investigates our lives, when they look at our search history, when they look at our text messages, if they listen in on our phone calls, there is nothing for them to report because we're living lives, lives of uprightness and integrity of holiness. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Isn't it a great reminder? In God, there is no shadow. There is no darkness at all. There's not even an ounce, a pinch, a glimmer of darkness. I know darkness doesn't have a glimmer, but but there's no aspect of darkness in our God. And yet for so many of us, we are spotted and stained by the junk of this world. That it's almost like, can you see any light? Oh, I, I, I see a little flicker. Woo! What a Christian. And yet as a believer, you realize that if we have the God of the universe indwelling our lives through the Holy Spirit, that our lives should be one of light, not one of darkness. And it's a great reminder that if God is light and in him is no darkness at all, so too, that's what God is wanting to do in our lives. Colossians 1, 12 through 14, Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Speaking about God, he has delivered us, get this, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, the son of his love, and whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So here is God, and he's really given us redemption and forgiveness, that he's broken the chain of that slavery to sin. Why? So that we can actually partake in the light. In fact, he has transferred us. He's moved us. He's delivered us from this kingdom of darkness. And now we've been brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. So you and I as believers are not to be stained and spotted by the junk of this world. Rather, we are to walk in holiness, in righteousness, and in truth. In Ephesians 1.4, Paul reminds us that we have been chosen even before the foundation of the world in Jesus Christ, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In other words, God has chosen you to live a life of holiness, that there should not be spot or wrinkle or stain of sin upon our lives anymore, that we shouldn't keep walking in sin. We were set free from the power of sin and darkness so that we can have life in the Son. And then in verse 7 of Ephesians 1, Paul says that we have in Jesus redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the grace which he has lavished upon us. See, God's grace, I love this concept, that God's grace doesn't merely forgive us of our sins. It does. But the amazing reality is that I need the grace of God every single day, that his grace enables me to live out the Christian life. It's the empowerment. It is the source of the spirit of God in my life. So not only does he set me free from the power of sin, but then he gives me his grace, his enablement to live out in obedience, the holy, blameless life that he's calling us to live. So it's not like he just has this perfect standard that he just says, hey, be holy as I am holy. Good luck. (laughs) Rather, he says, hey, be holy as I am holy. And now I want to indwell you through my Holy Spirit. And I want to give you all things that you need for life and godliness so that you can actually live out this life that I'm calling you to. In other words, you and I can, in fact, live as a Christian. We, we are called to live as a believer in Christ Jesus. We are to be holy and blameless before him, which means we're not to look like the world. Yes, we may be in the world, 
but we are not of the world. Or perhaps better stated, we are in the world, but the world is not to be in us. That same selfish, sinless propensity of the world is not to be gripped. It should not have a place in our life. Or as Paul would say in Ephesians 5, it shouldn't, shouldn't even be named among us. In other words, there should be no aspect of junk remaining in our life. For, for do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you do not realize that, that the old things have passed away? Behold, all things have become new, that you are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. So let us walk this narrow way. That I'm a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto my God. Well, that is what the kind of life that you and I are called to live. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul looks at young Timothy and he says, Hey, look, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And in other words, Timothy, don't let anyone despise you because you're young. But rather, you set the example. Show the rest of the world what it looks like to be a Christian. Can I encourage you, no matter how old you are, you and I are called to be examples of what it means to be a Christian in this world. That that when this world looks at your life and how you talk, how you think, how you behave, they should go, wow, that's a Christian. That is somehow if they could get inside your mind and see your thoughts from the last 24 hours or the last week, they should go, wow, I just, I'm captivated by Jesus. I am so overwhelmed by the reality of Christ. When they look at how you talk, when they look at how you how you act, when they look at your life, they should be overwhelmed by the reality of Jesus in you. That you are setting the example in speech, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Which means if there are those shadow areas of our life, if there's those areas of our life that have been closed off to God, those cupboards or those cabinets that desperately need light, they, they need a transformation. Oh, can I encourage you? I just, I beg you, don't keep hiding the junk in the midst of darkness. Expose it to the light. Bring it forth unto Jesus Come humbly before the cross and say, Lord, I, I am not as I should be, that I should be setting an example with my life. And yet there's this corrupt, habitual junk in my life that you have, you've got to change and transform. God, I can't remain the same. And I would encourage you, seek a mentor, seek some accountability, seek wisdom from your pastor, but expose the junk and bring it to the light. If you need help, walk through a process where someone could walk with you through a, a process of transformation. Now, I do realize that this idea of sanctification, it, it is true. It is lifelong. That he's always sanctifying our lives deeper and deeper and deeper. And yet, there should not be these massive boulders of sin in our souls. There shouldn't even be river rock of sin in our souls. I mean, yes, he is, should be sanctifying the dust particles out of our lives. But those habitual areas of our lives that used to be given over to sin, they should not have control. Those areas that I just keep stumbling into, they should not continue to reign in our mortal bodies. I am to yield myself unto Jesus Christ. He is 
He is able to set me free from the dominion and the power of sin. And yet for so many of us, we have greater faith in the power of our enemy and in sin and temptation than we do in the power of our God. See, what if we realize that God can, in fact, take a man or a woman out of this world and make him holy and then bring him back into this world and keep him holy? Is that not possible biblically? That's what the word of God says. And yes, my heart breaks for people like Ravi who who had this facade of integrity and yet had a corrupt life. But I think like Ananias and Sapphira, this should be a sobering moment for the church of Jesus Christ to remind us, don't let sin reign in our mortal bodies, that we, sh- that we should obey it in its lust. We-, we should not just continue to hide the junk of our souls. Rather, we should desire that God would expose them. We should desire to bring it out into the open. We should desire to walk in integrity and purity and righteousness and holiness, which means we need Jesus to change and to transform our lives. Paul told those in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? I, I talked about this a few episodes ago in episode 190, and I maybe encourage you to go back and listen to that. But we are to examine ourselves to see if in fact we have the reality of the Christian life. Let's not just presume that just because we attend church that we're a Christian or just because we have information that we are a believer is the reality of the life of Christ within me. Have I actually put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I actually walking in the reality of the gospel? Because if that's not true, then dear friend, may I encourage you, repent, embrace Jesus, throw off your old life and surrender your life unto Jesus Christ. Stand and walk in obedience to the reality of him and his word. Something happened in the early church when Ananias and Sapphira died. The fear of the Lord came upon the church. And one of the things that I've just noticed over the last several decades is how much the church lacks the fear of the Lord. And it's not a fear in the sense of trembling before him and and we're scared of getting caught It's more of recognizing that he is all powerful and he's the only one that even matters. And I should not be living for the applause of earth. I I need to be living solely unto him, but I need to recognize that he judges sin. So I cannot take sin lightly. In fact, I love what John Stamm wrote. He talked about the seven steps upward and the seven steps downward. And he said, if you want to progress in your spiritual life, if you want to grow in intimacy with Jesus, the very first step that you must take is take sin seriously. The first step downwards into a downward slope of sin and death and hell, he says the very first step downward into destruction is take sin lightly. And as the modern church, we have taken sin way, way too lightly. Lynn Ravenhill was quoted as saying that we as the modern church are more afraid of holiness than we are of sin. And what a tragic reality when that is true, when we actually have a greater concern, a greater uh, abhorrence of the fear of the Lord than we do of the sin in our lives. See, if I truly saw the Lord high and lifted up and I truly saw the reality of who he is, and I truly saw him in his splendor and his majesty and his greatness, 
that I wouldn't want to hide sin in my life. I'd want him to expose it so I can walk in the reality of truth and the transformation, the empowerment, the life that he has purchased. I have been forgiven and redeemed by him on the cross. And we shouldn't just take that for granted. We should walk in the reality of that. So dear friend, may I encourage you, would you allow the Lord to examine your heart afresh? Would you allow him to see if there's any wicked way within us? And and if so, would you allow him to expose that? Could, could we repent of any sin? Could we re- Could we repent of any habitual thing? Can we seek help if it's needed? But let us find ourselves at the foot of the cross, humbly before him, and let us not justify sin and darkness in our lives. Let it be exposed to his transforming, sanctifying work. And may we live a life that is an example to the world around us of what a Christian looks like. Well, I hope that sobering reminder in my life would be a sobering reminder in yours. If you just want some good questions to maybe help you walk through this process of of looking at your soul, there was a group of people called the Oxford Club of Holiness uh, back in the 1700s. It was people like George Whitfield and John, John and Charles Wesley. And they used to gather together and they would press each other unto the reality of Jesus Christ. And they had come up with a list of a few questions of just questions that they would ask themselves daily just to see if there was any slight deviation from the narrow way of the cross. In other words, they don't want to shift to some other path. They want to walk in purity and holiness. Well, if you're interested in seeing that list of questions that they would ask themselves daily, in fact, I kind of have like a printable version of it that you could even print off and hang up. It's just a reminder. Again, it's not perfect questions, but it's just an opportunity to lay yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, use these kind of questions to search and try my heart. If you'd like to see those lists of those Oxford Club of Holiness questions, as well as the verses I listed for this particular episode, you can find all of those in the show notes for this episode. Just go to deeperchristian.com forward slash 193 for episode 193. And may I just encourage you, God has given us all things, all things that we need for life and for godliness in Christ Jesus. He is the light. I don't have to try to whip up and produce the light on my own. I need to go and embrace the one who is light and allow his light to become my own. Oh, may each of us find ourselves at the foot of the cross afresh. We are to live a life of repentance, enabled, empowered by his grace to live out the Christian life, which is in his strength and his ability possible to live. Well, know I'm praying for you and cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.